David mentioned earlier about the Baptist Assembly here in September. That's a great opportunity to serve the family of Baptist churches. But there's even a better reason for you to be here, particularly in the afternoon, and that is that Johnny Lamb will be accredited. There'll be a whole service of it. There'll be about eight people who have been through this long process of the Baptist churches of New South Wales and ACT saying, we actually think you're a suitable person to serve and minister in our churches and we'll stand behind you. And that's been a, it has been a long, long process for Johnny. And that really comes to an end at this assembly when the whole Baptist church family of churches say, uh, pronounce their blessing and um, accreditation upon Johnny and other candidates. And uh, it would be a great encouragement, particularly in the afternoon when that service will be held, if you could be here as an encouragement to Johnny and just an endorsement from our church family that, yeah, we stand behind him and he is a worthy person to serve uh, this family of churches. So yeah, there's a little bit of a plug for the Baptist Assembly in the afternoon. We also need some people to help serve. Let me pray. Father, open your word to us. Be amongst us by your spirit. Help us to hear what you have said through your apostle Paul, that we might conform our lives to your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am unfortunately not a morning person. I married a morning person, which is a great blessing, but I have never been a morning person. It is not without trying. Uh, my standard day involves usually getting up around 6.15. Anna's laughing at the moment because <laughs> I'm very bad at getting out of bed. But usually the alarm goes off and I, I, I try to get out of bed at 6.15. I get changed. I get ready. I go for a run. The plan is to go for a run by 6.30. Usually it's about 6.40. I go for a run for half an hour, I get back, I shower, I change, I have breakfast, I get on with my day. That has not been happening for the last two months approximately. I have had a difficult winter, I've had quite a few colds, I've had some other minor health issues and, and the problem with winter when you're getting up and going running early in what I consider early in the morning is it's dark and it's cold. It just takes a lot more discipline to get up and go for a run in the morning. So lately, for the last two months, because I'm blaming colds and health and stuff, it's more like, oh, no, I just can't get up. Okay. And then, oh, it's 7.30 already. I better get up and get on with my day. So I've been getting up around, on average, well, average, I won't say average, 7.30, and which is much later than I'd like to be. This week was a little bit different. I'll give you an example of my mornings. This week... My car is in the mechanics. I've got an expensive job, a head gasket to replace. I'm very annoyed about it. That's a whole other story. Um, on Wednesday, so we've only got one car. On Wednesday, Anna's working. I had to give Anna, I just said, I'll give you a lift to work, sweetheart. So I get up. She leaves at about 20 past, half past six to go to work. I get up early. I get changed and I drive her to work. And, 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 and I come home and I'm a bit groggy, but that's, that's fine. That's the day. On Thursday, I say, no, it's okay. I will walk up to church and I'll walk to Senior Fellowship. You take the car because I don't need it. But I said, I'm going to get up early when you get up because I want to get up early. I want to get myself into good patterns again. And so she says, she gets up, she gets ready. She's about to go for work. She says, I'm going to lift up the blinds so the light comes in and you'll know you've got to get up. I say, yeah, 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 that's fine. Ah. 7.40. Twenty to eight, I dragged myself out of bed. The light's been coming through the window for quite a long time. It's not good. Now, it is okay to sleep in. I'm not totally against that. And I know people have different patterns. 
But on the whole, it's best to get up in the morning and make the most of the day. Really, I am a night person who would wishes I was a day person. Uh, an evening person who would love to be a morning person. Because it's better when I do get up in the morning. Have you ever done that? You get up, I used to get up and go kayaking super early. When the sun, before the sun's rising, I'm hitting the water. You've got no idea how good that is. It just takes a lot of discipline to drag yourself out of bed at 4.30. But when you do it, it's just so fantastic because we're made for the day. You're not a possum. You're not a frog mouth. You're not an owl. You're a human being. You were made for the daytime. It's good to get up and make the most of the day. Well, we're here at the end of our series in Romans 12 and 13. A really challenging, practical series on what is reasonable worship. What's a reasonable response to all of God's goodness to us? And part of that reasonable worship, where Paul finishes, he says, listen, you were made for the day. It's reasonable to live in the day. And therefore, if you're going to live in the day, it's best that you be dressed for the day. Because that is your reasonable worship, to be dressed for the day. It's critical that we know the time. In fact, throughout the whole book of Romans, Paul has been saying, you really need to know what time it is. What time is it? It's gospel time. It's good news time. It's Jesus is Lord time. Let me go right back to the start of Paul's letter to the Romans. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul writes them, says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the good news of God. The gospel or the good news he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Promised beforehand regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Promised beforehand, but Jesus is now risen. Promises fulfilled. This is the time we live in. Paul goes on. We live in a world in darkness. We live in a world where everyone is lost in their sin and their rebellion against God. It's a dark, hard world. We're enslaved. But now, Paul says, the Savior has appeared. Someone to save us from the darkness. And through his life, death, and resurrection, he has begun the new age of God's kingdom. That's the time. So you go to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Paul says, look, it's dark, but now a righteousness of God apart from law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness of God comes through the faith or the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, made righteous, freely by the grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now is the day of salvation. You go to chapter 5. Therefore, Paul says, since we have been justified or made righteous through faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by, the, by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It's a new day. 
the now time. Verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ has died for the ungodly. He's raised a new life. We now live in that time of the gospel. Chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. We were in the law of sin and death, but now through Christ Jesus, there is a law of the spirit and life. That is the time. It's the good news, gospel, Jesus time. Get to chapter 12 where Paul starts saying, okay, that's the gospel. Now let's make it practical. He begins, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. Offer your bodies. This is your reasonable worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now it's a new day. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. There's this whole series on reasonable worship that's living in the now time, the Jesus time. Romans 12 and 13 is basically Paul saying to the Christian, be who you are. Ah, be who you are. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a spirit person. Therefore, be humble, be servant-minded, be loving, overflowing with love. Last week, we, we came to almost the end of these practical exhortations. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. There is now just one law for God's people, for these new age people. That is love. Understand who you are and be who you are because you understand what time it is that Jesus has saved you. And that's a very high standard. Uh, that is hard. If you read through chapters 12 and 13, it is very difficult to live like we are meant to live. The reason it's hard is because we're not yet in the new age in its fullness. We still live in this hard, fallen world with hard hearts that struggle to always be loving. We're told in Romans that God's given us His Spirit as a deposit, as a guarantee, but we're not in the fullness yet. In fact, Paul recognizes this fact as we come to the end of chapter 13. We're not in the fullness yet. If you have a look, Paul says, do all these things, love this way, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. What Paul's saying is we're not there yet. 
in the fullness. But it's coming. You've got to understand the times. He says, be who you are. You're a new age person. And then Paul says, be who you will be. Because we're not there yet. When you will be a child of God in all glory and fullness. Be who you are in Christ Jesus. Be who you will be in fullness on the day of Jesus' return. You notice the language that Paul uses there? There's a glow on the horizon. The day is coming. It's almost here. It's almost daylight. Come on, get up. Understand the time. The alarm is ringing. Don't doze off. Don't sleep in. It's time to get up and live for the day. Because Jesus' return is imminent. The fullness of the kingdom is imminent. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Well, the alarm goes off. I'm very familiar with this. The light comes through the curtains. What do you do? I'm asking a very simple question. Light comes on. Alarm goes off. The day's starting to just come in the curtains. What do you do? What sort of response do you make? You're all experts at this. What you do is you get up and you get ready and you get dressed for the day. Verse 12, Paul says that. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Get dressed for the day. On Wednesday morning, as I said, I dropped Anna at work early, got there about 6.30, and I had this great plan. I am not a morning person, so when I say I dropped Anna at work, literally I'm driving to the sand, trying to wake myself up. Drop her at work and had this great plan that I would go to Bunnings on the way back because there'll be nobody at Bunnings, nice and quick, and it's kind of on the way back home for us and I've got to buy a can of paint. So it saves me a trip to Bunnings to buy this paint. Halfway to Anna's work, I say to, my, I say to her, I forgot my shoes. I'm not a morning person. I'm driving with my bare feet and I think, I've got to go to Bunnings. Do I go to Bunnings or do I just go home? Oh, it's be so much more convenient to go to Bunnings. So I get to Bunnings in my bare feet. I walk out of the car, through the car park, into the Bunnings, to the paint counter, pick my paint, get the colour put in. Walking past all the tradies in their steel-toed boots were there early in the morning. And they're all looking at me. I get to the counter and says, Oh, your feet must be cold. Oh, it's like, oh, just give me my paint. Let me get out of here. <laughs> I, I was dressed for the day, right? All the rest of the gear was day gear, but... I forgot my feet, my shoes. So it looked odd. I wasn't fully dressed for the day. Have you ever given a lift to the station early in the morning? No, I just throw a jacket on because I don't want someone to see me in my pyjamas in the car. Because you're not dressed for the day. It's an obvious point. The daytime is here. And there is daytime dress and there is nighttime dress. 
Because you are children of the day, people in Jesus, I want you to dress for the day. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let us cast off the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Get up, get ready. Put on the armour of light. We had firemen here at Bubbles on Thursday and they were about to do their presentation. They had one not wearing his full gear and they had the boots and all the other stuff that the firemen had put on and then you can read my bulletin article, the fire truck got called away. But they were going to dress the firemen for his work, his work of active wear to fight fires. You don't go and fight a fire wearing thongs. You get dressed for the activities that you are called to. So it is for the believer. Can you imagine you've got a big problem, a legal problem? So you go to one of the big law firms in the city, maybe Clayton Oots or maybe um, Slater and Gordon or Freeman's, and you've made an appointment with a partner because this is a big deal. You're going to spend squillions of dollars fixing this problem up, hopefully, through the legal system. You meet the secretary. She says, oh, look, just wait, you know. Mary will see you in 15 minutes. Sure enough, you're going to see Mary 15 minutes later. Big deal. And Mary's wearing her nightie. She says, you know, it's, I even know, I'm wearing my nightie. You know, it's great when you get to become partner because then you can pretty much do what you want. Oh, I just like to relax when I come to work and let it all hang out. And you're thinking, I don't want it all to hang out. I want it to hang in. You, didn't, you don't go and see a senior partner at Clayton and Oots and see them wearing their pyjamas. It's not appropriate. You don't fight a fire in shorts and t-shirts. It's not safe. So what is it for us as God's children? Because there is appropriate attire and there is inappropriate attire. What is this armour of light? What are these deeds of darkness? The night where, well, Paul tells us what the deeds of darkness are. Verse 13. So let us put on the deeds of, put off the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not, here's the darkness, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Paul starts, let us walk, literally walk respectfully. Because it's disrespectful to wear your pyjamas at Clayton and Oots. Dress respectfully, know the time. And it is disrespectful to engage in orgies and drunkenness for a Christian. To chase the rage. To be lost in the blur. To pursue the experience of life irrespective of others. That's disrespectful. It is disrespectful for the believer to hand themselves over to sexual abandonment. To just chase the desires and say, it doesn't matter. I'm not hurting anybody. That is disrespectful. That is inappropriate attire. Now last night I believe our young people had a bit of a bonfire out at someone's property. Young people, fire, night. You can imagine orgies and drunkenness. You know, that's what they say, show me on, on the movies. 
But, but my guess is, and my hope is, I haven't heard any feedback. My hope is it wasn't like that. <laughs> my hope is that it was respectful and sober. We went to a Christian studies dinner last night. Very, very few of you were there. It was quite sad, actually. But anyway, um, Peno didn't, wasn't well represented. But we went to a great dinner. So all these people from these churches, do you think there was drunkenness and orgies and sexual immorality? No, it was a very civilised affair. Like, you don't expect those things in a church. It wouldn't be appropriate. But look at what Paul says next. Let us behave decently, let us walk respectfully, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. How many churches, how many people, how many Christians have been torn apart by dissension and jealousy, by selfish rivalry and envy? It is inappropriate. It is not respectful for people who have been called to live in the day. Put off the deeds of darkness. So what do we put on? Well, put off the deeds of darkness. So I guess you'd do the opposite, wouldn't you? Put off the deeds of darkness. Put on the deeds of light. Have a look at what it says. Put off the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Paul doesn't say put on the deeds of light. He says put on the armour of light. He doesn't say start to do good. He says put on the armour, the equipment for the light. No mention of deeds. Now, earlier in Romans 12, he did encourage us to good deeds. Good deeds are good. That's what we should be doing. But I want you to remind you of this back in Romans chapter 3, of the human condition. Verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. Verse three, chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Put off the deeds of darkness. Put on the armour of light, not the deeds of light. Because there is no one who does good, not even one. You try. You try to follow all the laws. You try to set a whole pile of rules for you to be good. And you will do a bit. And then you will keep doing bad. You will fail again and again. Just try. You know it's true. I won't do this anymore. So how can we be good? How can we dress for the day? Where will we find the power to be dressed for the daylight that we've been brought into by Jesus? Well, maybe we should ask Tony Stark. Some of you had a laugh. Tony Stark is Iron Man. Superhero. Well, actually, where does Iron Man get his power from? Those of you who are Iron Man people, Iron Man gets his power when he puts on his Iron Man suit. Otherwise, he's pretty much just a regular Joe. Where does a Christian get their power? How do they dress for the day? 
What is this armour of light that we had to put on? Have a look at it. Verse 12 again. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Paul goes through the deeds of darkness. Let us behave decently, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and loyalty. Then he tells us about the armour of light. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't put on the good deeds. Put on the armour of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ like Iron Man putting on his suit to get his power. This is such a basic part of the message of Romans. We are not made right with God. We are not saved by our own efforts, by our own works, but by faith in Jesus Christ who has done it for us. By trusting in his finished work, his death on the cross and his resurrection. Put on Christ. Be filled with the power of his spirit. To use the language of the Bible, the language of Romans, let yourself be found in Christ. Jesus Christ is our daytime clothing. Because he cleanses us. He makes us new. You cannot do it by yourself. Paul, the apostle, the guy who wrote this, spent years trying to do it by himself. Back in in this letter he wrote to the Philippians, he says this to them. He says, if anyone has reasons for confidence in the flesh, in what I do with my body, I have more. Paul says, you reckon you can do some good? I've done more. He says, as a Jew, I was circumcised on the eighth day, just the way it should have been. I was of the people of Israel. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. That's pretty good. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, like I was the best Jew. In regard to the law, keeping God's law, I was a Pharisee. I had so many laws that I followed, you wouldn't even imagine. As for zeal, persecuting the church, like I hated those Christians. As for legalistic righteousness, doing it all on my own strength, faultless. I have been to the mountain of goodness, says Paul, in my own strength. But whatever was to my profit, all these things I tried to do, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the unsurpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. And it's all better. I've lost everything, he says. All those things, I've lost them, but it's all better. I consider them, in fact, rubbish. I consider them dung. I consider them a poop pile, says Paul. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not a righteousness by my own efforts, but that which is by faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, by trusting in Jesus, by clothing myself with Jesus. He says, I want to know Christ 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him even in death, and so somehow to attain myself to the resurrection of the dead. That's what Paul wants, and he had it all. You will not get there by your own efforts to put on this armour of light and be clothed for the day. You need Jesus Christ. You need to soak yourself in the gospel, the good news. You need to soak yourself in the gospels, the life of Jesus, so that you're finding out what he's like. You need to pray that the Jesus you meet in the gospel will so infiltrate your being that when people see you, they see Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And baptism is such a beautiful illustration of what this Paul's talking about. When, we get, when you get baptized in the water, you, it, it's in a symbol that says, I am in Christ. I am trusting in Jesus. So that his death, as you go into the water, well, that's my death to sin. And as I'm plunged into that water, I am cleansed from all my sin. I am made righteous. And as I come out of the water... I share in Jesus' resurrection, the new age, the new life. And I'm washed clean and I am ready and fit to live this new life, to be who I am, to be who I will be. Baptism is such a beautiful illustration. And yet I keep meeting people when they say, well, why don't you get baptized? They say, I don't know that I'm ready. I don't know that I'm ready. I say, why aren't you ready? There's only two reasons why you're not ready. One is you're not a believer. One is you haven't trusted Jesus. And that's a very good reason not to get baptized. The other reason people say they're not ready is because they're still trying to do it in their own strength. They don't want to accept the symbol and clothe themselves fully in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you are a Christian, if you've trusted in Jesus, you are ready. And I would love you to embrace the symbol. Because it models in your own life that it's all by Jesus. That you are dressed for the day, washed clean, ready for the day. Not by your own strength. As long as you look at yourself, you will fail. There is no power in yourself. And this is where we so often get it wrong. Paul says here in verse 14... Of Romans chapter 13. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In other words, make no provision, he says, for the flesh, for the sinful nature. That is where we so often say, I believe in Jesus, I'm trusting in Jesus, but just in case I'm going to hold on to this, I'm going to make some provision for my flesh. I believe in Jesus, but I really think my money is more important. I'm going to be greedy in this situation. I trust in Jesus, but I really don't want to let go of my party lifestyle. Not that I have nothing wrong with parties. You know what I mean. Party lifestyle is a different thing, isn't it? I trust in Jesus, but I will not let go of my jealousy. I will not let go of this unforgiveness and my bitterness. 
I will not drop these sexual sins. I will not stop gossiping and slandering because I need these things in my life. If I let go of them, I might lose everything. And so we tuck these things in our pockets or we put on a backpack of unforgiveness and bitterness while we clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. It looks ridiculous. Sometimes we can even do it with religion. I'm going to trust in Jesus, but I'm going to keep doing it myself because look at my religion. Nonsense. It's a lie of Satan. Satan says, did God really say that you can trust in Jesus alone? I can't have said that. So we make provision for the flesh. And we lose power. We've got to say to Satan, no, I do not need these things. I will clothe myself with the Lord Jesus Christ. I will make no provision for my flesh. I will empty my pockets. I will throw that backpack of burden of unforgiveness away. You know, it's a little bit like a fireman putting on all the fire gear and leaving his sneakers on because he thinks I might need to run fast because I know better. It's a little bit like working for KPMG, getting up in the morning, putting on your suit and your tie but leaving your pyjama shirt on because you never know when you might want to have a doze at work. It's ridiculous. We belong to the day. Dress for the day. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus. Make no provision for the flesh, for your sinful nature. Get rid of the provisions. Please don't be found barefoot at Bunnings. It's embarrassing. 1 John 3. This is how John puts it. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God. How great God's love for you. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that is what you are. Be who you are. Wake up and dress for the day. Day. I know what you're thinking. It's cold and it's dark outside. I'd rather stay in bed or I'd rather make provision for the night time. But the night is almost over. The dawn is breaking. John says the same thing. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So what do we do? John says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Everyone who has this hope, everyone who's in the day, purifies himself. So that they might be who they will be, just as they already are pure in Christ Jesus, dressed in Jesus, because of what's happened. Be who you are in Christ. Be who you will be in glory. Live for the day.
We're not there yet. The sun is not yet fully risen. But you are a child of the king. Dress in your royal regalia. Dress in all purity and holiness and joy as you are clothed with the righteousness and the joy and the holiness of the Lord Jesus. Let's live as people of the day. Let me pray.